Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. How are we all? Good, good, good. Thank you. Ignore the ladder. Well, don't ignore the ladders because I'll be using them later. There is, we're not just doing maintenance throughout the service or anything like that. Um, so I'm Jordan. Um, most of you maybe know me by now. Some of you may not know me properly by now or we've not had a chance to properly say hi or meet. But um, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. Um, and normally you may be actually wondering who is this person because I'm not wearing a hat today. Um, quite funnily enough, uh, most people who came up to me this morning said, oh, you must be preaching today because you're not wearing a hat. Uh, and yeah, you're right. I, I timed, it, timed it very, very well. Um, but we're going to get into the. We're going to get stuck into it. We're going to get straight into the message today, and um, I'm going to start by asking you a question. Who loves being humbled? Raise your hands. No one. Okay, fair enough. No, it's understandable, right? It's understandable to not like being humbled. It's not a nice feeling to want to be humbled. Um, other words we could use for it is knock down a peg or two, knocked off your high horse, or in this case, knocked off your pedestal. It's not a nice feeling when you get knocked down a little bit, is it? It doesn't feel good. And um, I can tell you a story of when I got humbled. Um, and so have some empathy for me, please, because it's, it's quite a vulnerable story. Um, <laughs> At the start of this year, we're kind of towards the end of this year now, but at the start of this year, um, I was like, new year, new me, I'm going to start going to the gym. And I know what you're thinking, Jordan, you're such a physical specimen of a man. Um, surely you've been to the gym regularly, um, but I kid you not, no, this was the, the first time I would have gone to the gym for, uh, did you say we believe me? Oh, goodness me. Uh, First time I've been to the gym for a very, 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 very long time. And um, when you go to the gym for the first time, again, you sign up. Um, and a lot of times they ask you to fill out like an introductory form. Uh, and the reason they do this is because they want to find out your skill level at the gym, right? So you don't go and hurt yourself when going to the gym. And so I filled out this form. And at the very bottom of the form, it asks, so are you a beginner? Are you like intermediate? Or are you an advanced? Jimmer, right? And um, so who can hazard a guess at which uh, one I ticked? Advanced. <laughs> Spot on. Um, a little bit of pride got in the way of me, I think, uh, probably in the moment. And I thought, I can handle this. I can do this. Um, it'll be fine, right? You just kind of fake it till you make it. You can go to the gym and you'll, you'll figure it out. And you know what? For the first few weeks, it was going really well. I was going to the gym, I ticked advanced, because if you tick beginner as well, this, a, a caveat with this, if you tick beginner, they give you a personal trainer, right? They assign you a personal trainer. And so that was part of the pride as well. I had no desire to be escorted around a gym by a personal trainer, while there's all these you know, big buff guys and people lifting these weights, and there's just scrawny old me getting shown how to use an elliptical. Um, so I wanted to avoid that. And so far, it was going really, really well. Uh, I was, felt like I was you know, doing the 
the gym stuff? Is that what you say? I don't know how you say it. I felt like I was getting fitter. I felt like I was managing fine. I was getting good sessions in. I was doing pretty well. And it was lasting well for a few weeks. Um, and then I started to puff up my chest a little bit and think, you know what? And because this whole time I was doing the machine weights, right? And I was thinking, I think it's time for the free weights. It's time for the free weights. And if you're not familiar with the gym, the, the, the machine weights are there to protect you from hurting yourself. Um, and you've got a lot more cover for you. But the free weights, there's not a whole lot of protection going on there. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try the free weights because I'm doing pretty well. I've lasted a few weeks. Things are going well. I am advanced. Look at me, right? I'm advanced at this. And so I go over one day, I plan it all out, and I go over to the bench press. Um, now, problem number one with going over here is I didn't have a spotter with me. So I didn't have someone else to help me during this time. Because, um, again, um, I'd not been to the gym for such a long time. I didn't think that was a thing. I go over to the bench press, right? And I lay down. And I'm thinking, I've done the machine bench press. This will be fine, right? So I, I kind of put on the weight, which I know I'm comfortable with, or think I'm, think I'm comfortable with. And I lay down, hands up. And I start lifting. And then very quickly, the arms start shaking. And the bar is very, very slowly but surely coming down onto my neck. Uh, so things aren't going too well at this point. And you've got those little hooks, and I'm trying like, to just like shimmy, like shimmy onto these hooks like this. I'm going like bright red in the face and everything like that. I'm probably such a sight and a state at this moment, just like writhing on this bench, trying to like lift this thing on its hooks. But very slowly, this thing is going to crush my neck. And things are going really, really bad. And do you know what happens? The personal trainer comes along, who I probably should have been with from the very start. And she walks up to this state of me, probably red in the face and sweating and trying not to die. And he comes up, one-handed as well, <laughs> show off. And he goes, <sighs> he looks me up and down a few times. And he just goes, I don't think you're ready for this yet, mate, are you? What a way to be humbled, right? What a way to be knocked off your pedestal. What a way to be knocked down a peg or two. And it's not, it wasn't a nice feeling. It's not a nice feeling at all. But yet we can see in the Bible that there are times in the Bible and there are times we'll probably see in our own lives where Jesus seems to want to humble us or seems to knock us off our pedestal, or knock us down a peg or two. And we're going to turn to the passage of Scripture in Mark, which I think really beautifully illustrates it. And we're going to read from verse 17 in Mark chapter 10. And it says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Now, we can read that passage of Scripture, and it could be very easy and probably understandable for us to empathize with that rich man. Because he comes into the situation seemingly with every good intention, right? He, he comes longing to find out, how can I inherit eternal life? What can I do to be fulfilled? What can I do to find worth, to be fulfilled in my life? And he comes to Jesus for it. He doesn't go to anyone else. He doesn't go to other people. He comes to Jesus for this, right? So he's going about it the right way. And yet what we find is that Jesus almost rebukes him in a way. He demands everything from him. And for a rich man to demand everything from him, to go and sell all these possessions to the poor, that must be quite humbling. That must be really confronting for him. And that's why his face dropped sad. His face fell. Because he was humbled in that moment. He was knocked off his pedestal. And perhaps we can empathize again with that rich man, because maybe there's situations in our life where God or Jesus, you feel like, demands certain things from us that we don't necessarily want to give up. Or maybe... There's things that you feel like haven't come to pass. Things have been taken away from you. You've lost some things. Things haven't gone as planned. And you sit there going, and you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you sit there going, well, Jesus, why would you let this happen to me? Why would you ask me for that? Why would you ask me to give up that? Because it sure doesn't feel good. It sure does knock me off my pedestal. It sure does humble me when those things that I've put my worth in, those things that I've put so much value in, those things, you're asking me of them. You're asking me for them. So when I lose that, oh, it sure doesn't feel good. It sure doesn't feel good. What could those things be for you? Is it Maybe there's been a career, a friendship, relationship, money, finance, a dream or an ambition that you've had. I'm sure even as I'm talking now, there's maybe things reeling through your head over the seasons of life where maybe you can look back and go, ah, you know what, you know, that didn't feel too good. That didn't feel too good. And so this brings us to this tension that we have. We'll put it on the screen. 
It's because we can be here and we, maybe we're followers of Jesus and we can go, well, I know that Jesus loves me. But how can I know Jesus loves me when it sometimes feels like he knocks me down? Or maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've just been invited in this place and maybe you've heard about Jesus from Christian friends or you've just heard about it from church and you hear about this loving God and this loving person called Jesus and you can probably empathize with situations like that and you go, well, how can I know this Jesus loves me when it sometimes feels like he can knock me down? It's a real tension, right? It's a real tension to wrestle with. So maybe there's been those situations where you feel like Jesus has demanded something from you. You feel like something's been taken away. You feel like something's not come to fulfillment. Maybe you just felt a sense of challenge and rebuke. And it humbles you and it doesn't feel good. But you know what the beauty of this is? If we can, Pete, just to go back to that passage, is that there is purpose behind this. That, you know, actually we as Christians and we as just people, we have this, uh, we have this almost annoying task of being loved by Jesus. That it can be annoying for us sometimes, but he's doing it in our best interest. Because you know what? Just like with the rich man, we can come back to the passage. And before the rebuke happens, before the challenge comes, do you know what Jesus does? Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then everything followed. So what can we learn? How can we find that Jesus loves us from this? Well, perhaps there's some things we can discover in this passage of Scripture that we can learn about ourselves and we can learn about Jesus that can help show us how this ultimately is going to point us to love. So in the passage of Scripture, the first thing we probably discover is that the rich man is independent. The rich man is independent. And with that, it means that also we have this desire to be independent. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're going, hang on. You're comparing me to that rich man? Probably some of you are sitting here going, well, I'm not rich, so this doesn't apply to me. When you hear the bit saying the rich can't enter the kingdom of God. and This doesn't apply to me. I'm not rich. Or maybe a few months ago, you got more than you bargained for in your tax return. And you're, going, you're kind of sweating in your seat going, oh, maybe I am rich now. I'm in trouble. Um, but I don't think he's referring to rich in the sense of monetary wealth. I think it's referring to independence. It's referring to an independence. Now, this rich man, he had everything he needed. He had everything he wanted. Everything he desired. So he didn't need to depend on anything else anyone else. Now this rich man as well, what we can understand from him, was a Jew, grew up in a religious world, and he probably understood initially that his, I hope this holds me, he understood that actually probably what 
his wealth, his assets, his possessions were attributed to, initially probably they were actually a blessing from God. That he's a recipient of a blessing from God. But what he finds and what we find with this rich man is by the time he comes to Jesus, he's very quickly sleepwalked his way off of the pedestal that God had set for him. And he's created his own. He's created his own pedestal because now he's gone to a place where he's gone, well, I'm independent. I've done this by myself. I've made it on my own. And he's exalted himself. And how true is that for us in this world? I don't know if you're on social media much, but the amount of videos you can scroll through nowadays where it's 10 steps to be a self-made millionaire. 10 steps to have a self-made career. 10 steps to have a self-made, 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 self-made. We have this innate desire to be independent. We have this innate desire to be independent people. But the problem is when we do that, when we start becoming independent, when we think we've done it all our own way, when we think we've done it all ourselves, we start attributing it to ourselves, we start building a pedestal to ourselves, and all it does is diminish how we view God. It diminishes how we view God, how we view Jesus in our own lives. And so perhaps, actually, Jesus wants us to knock us off our pedestal because it's getting in the way of putting him first. It's getting in the way of putting him first. We actually see through the passage of Scripture that when Jesus challenges the rich man, when he initially asks him, have you done these commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not those ones, you shall not commit adultery, What's quite interesting is he's challenging the rich man with the second table of the law. Now, what does that mean? That means they're the commandments in Scripture that deal with other people, that are between with man and his counterpart and his other person. And the rich man's like, yeah, I've done all that, nailed it. Tick, 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 tick. But when he comes back and he says, sell everything you have, give it up, and then follow me. The challenge then turns to what's called the first table of the law, and that's the relationship between man and God. And it's at that point his face fell sad because he knows he's not putting God first. He's not putting Jesus first in his life. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's all great, but why do I need to put Jesus first in my life? Because maybe you're actually in this situation and maybe you're going, you know what, I've self-made pretty well. I'm doing pretty well for myself over here. So why do I need to put Jesus first in my life? Well, before we go to our next point, I just want to read this quote from C.S. Lewis. You can get it up on the screen. Now, God who has made us knows that we and our happiness lies in him. Yet we will not seek it in him as long as he leaves us any other resort where it can even plausibly be looked for. While what we call our own life remains agreeable, we will not surrender it to him. What then can God do in our interests but make our own life less agreeable to us and take away the plausible source of false happiness? 
So we move on to point two because ultimately that's all it will ever be. Is our self-made selves, our own pedestal to ourselves, us trying to go it our own way, us trying to live independent lives, it's always going to be a false happiness. And what do I mean by that is that ultimately it's going to let us down. It's going to let us down. If we can go to the next point. Because what this rich man wants to do and what we also can relate to that in is that we try and do everything in our own strength. We try and do everything in our own strength. I find it very interesting how when we look at this passage of scripture that this rich man clearly was struggling to do it in his own strength. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked Jesus the question in the first place. If he was going well with it, he wouldn't have needed to come to Jesus and ask, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be fulfilled is ultimately the question he's asking. And do you know what I find really interesting is how different the conversation would have gone if the rich man had gone to Jesus and instead of saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life, he asked instead, how can you help me? Because with the what must I do attitude, he was still living over here. He was still living over here. Because when we live over here, when we try and be independent, when we try and do it ourselves in our own strength, we ultimately are trying to earn it in our own way. We want to earn everything. We want to earn it. We want to earn it. We want to earn it. And maybe, Jesus followers, you're in here. Christians, you're in here. And maybe we can easily slip into that habit of trying to earn it. Yep, attended church on Sunday. Gave my tithe this week. Went to community group this week. Yeah, I helped out there. I helped out here. Look at me. I'm really getting it. But the problem is that even we can switch into that attitude. Even though we're on, on the surface level, it's all good, but we're actually not depending on God. We're not on his pedestal for us. And what we find is that ultimately that strength will fail us. Just like with me back at the gym, it goes well for a few weeks. But there's one time where that strength is going to let you down. That strength is going to let you down at some point. And we go back to even to that starting question I may be asked, of where we can actually ask the question of where we feel like things have maybe been taken away or we've been let down or we've been knocked off our pedestal. We can ask those questions of, God, why would you let this happen to me? More often than not, it's actually why we let this happen to ourselves. Because a lot of the time, we've just gone it our own way for too long. And we've got to a point where our strength has just let us down. We've almost knocked ourselves off the pedestal. Because ultimately, we are wholly dependent beings trying to live an independent life. That's all we are. We are made to be dependent on someone. The question is, is who do we choose to put that dependence in? Is it the things that we feel we've accrued, the things that we've bought and got worth to and the things that we've attained, the things that we've earned? Or are we going to turn it back and choose to put it 
in God? Are we going to go back and choose to put it in God? So maybe that's why we need to get knocked off our pedestal a bit is because ultimately it's going to let us down anyway. We're going to get back to this place down here where maybe we need to feel not too great about ourselves, where maybe it needs to be a season where it hurts a bit, where maybe it needs to be a season where it's a bit hard. But the beautiful thing is, and this is where the love comes in, the beautiful thing is we can be down here and it's hurting and we've been humble and it's hard and it's tough and things have been taken away or we feel like we've lost some things or things haven't come to fruition or maybe we just felt a rebuke. But we come to point three and the beautiful thing is is that Jesus invites. Jesus ultimately invites. He leaves us an invitation. Because once we've been knocked down, Jesus invites us to get back up again. And he offers an invitation. And he offered it to the rich man. He offered it to the rich man. He says, come follow me. Come abide in me. Come be with me. Come, and I will lift you up. Let me be your strength. Let me be the center of it all. Let me be all you were designed to be. Because again, like how we concluded the passage, the disciples were left with this tension going, well, who can enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus gives the answer right there on the table. What is impossible with man is possible with God. It's there, plain and simple. What's impossible to do by yourself, to be fulfilled, and maybe you've gone through the cycle where you've tried to be self-made, you've tried to be independent, you've tried to do it your own way, and you've gone through that cycle and you've got knocked down again, and you keep trying again, you get knocked down again, and you keep getting back to this place. Well, what next? What else can I do? How can I be fulfilled? And Jesus comes and he says, what is impossible with you by yourself is possible with me. Be with me. Take my hand. And the beautiful thing is, is that when we do it with Jesus, when we lift it onto his pedestal, we didn't do the risk assessment for this, so... I take all liability. Do you know what the beautiful thing is? Is that when we do it with Jesus, we're lifted to a higher place we could ever do it by ourselves. That in this place, we're loved. We're a child of God. We're accepted. We're healed. We're delivered. We're blessed. And when we understand and we put Jesus at the center, when we make him our pedestal and we turn from ourselves, we're lifted to that higher place. And the question then becomes, how do we respond? How do we respond to that? Because the rich man responded one way. Because how did he respond? His face fell and he went away. He was offered the invitation, but like I said before, he was so stuck in his independence, in trying to be self-made, in trying to do it his own way, 
that he went back to the cycle of trying to build to himself. And probably the sad reality for him is, is that down the track, he's going to be back in that same spot again, where he's asking the question of, I'm not fulfilled. Life isn't fulfilling, or I've been knocked down, or I've been humbled. And to contrast that, we see that Jesus ex- leaves that invitation to come follow him in the scripture, in the gospels, for an exclusive group of people. Another one being Peter. And what's the difference? The difference is in Luke 5, verse 8, that when Peter receives his invitation, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy. What's the contrast there? Is that Peter actually humbled himself. He didn't wait for it to happen out of his own strength. He didn't wait for Jesus to do it. He had already a sense of humility. That actually what he did, whereas the rich man's posture down here was this. Simon's posture was this. He was positioned to surrender. So how do we respond? Well, maybe we just need to accept who we are a bit. And maybe we just need to humble ourselves a bit and accept, you know what? I can't do it my own. It's going to be tough for me to do it myself. I am just human. I am just a man. But the beauty is is that when we accept that place, that's when Jesus lifts us up with him. And with him, we are loved, we are blessed, we are whole, we are redeemed, we are set free. And all that he has to offer for us. How we respond is what matters. Maybe you're in this position right now and you've got a choice. Do I cycle back this way? Or do I accept the invitation? Do I accept maybe where I'm at and accept the invitation? Why don't we pray? And while I pray, we'll just invite the team back up as well. Jesus, we thank you that you love us and that we have this unfortunate burden sometimes of being loved by you. And that your love for us isn't always going to be fairy tales and roses, but sometimes it's going to be a tough love. Sometimes it's going to be a love that might hurt a bit, that might be hard a bit. But what we trust is, Jesus, that ultimately that it's to point us back to you. It's to point us towards you where you can lift us up where you can call us a child of God, where you can set us free, where you can redeem us, where you can love us truly and fully. And so, Father, I ask for anyone in this room right now, and maybe what's been said today has been stirring something within. Maybe it's a season that they're going through right now, a season that's been. 
And maybe that hurt has been stirring in them. That humbling has been stirring in them. But Jesus, reveal yourself to them right now and ultimately allow them to accept your invitation to depend on you, to rely on you, to be owned by you, Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this place and we thank you for what you're going to continue to do now as we step into a time of prayer and ministry, Jesus, and communion. In your name we pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.